Hello, everyone, and welcome to an episode of That's What Bee Said. I'm your host, Bree, at Breezy Clee. Tonight, I am joined by my two lovely ladies. Bird's Eye View, Brittany Mollis, is back with us tonight. Hello, Brittany. Welcome back. Hello, everyone. And Meredith Kane is back again this week at MCAN Sports. Hello, Meredith. Hello. Well, ladies, listeners, uh, Meredith and I were recording the show last week with our uh, good friend Nicole in Brittany's absence. Uh, she filled in, and we had what we thought was probably more of a serious slash heavy show. Uh, a lot of subjects that aren't necessarily fun to talk about. And as we watched the events unfold at the end of last week, you know, we thought that maybe all of this was behind us. The episode that we had recorded was null and void. I think we were all kind of happy that it was null and void and that we can move on, maybe exhale a little bit. But Friday came around and I think uh, the Browns kind of shocked the NFL world, uh, the entire Browns fan base for both good and bad. Um, And we're going to talk about that tonight. But I wanted to just preface this before we really dive into things. We didn't really prepare our normal rundown. We are traditionally very prepared bullet point lists um, with all the details that we want to discuss. But tonight's show is going to be a little bit different, I think, just based on the subject line again. And if you've listened to us over the last two and a half years, you guys know that we want to be authentic. We've been pretty transparent and honest with ourselves and who we are and our stances. And part of the reason we started our show is because we felt like there was a void in this space specifically. If you tune into any local radio station, sports radio specifically, you are hard pressed to find women talking about sports at all, even nationally. Uh, It's just not the norm. So we ventured out and did this podcast and two and a half years later, feels like we're probably needed the most. Our voice deserves to be heard. And I think this subject line and the stuff we're going to get into tonight is the exact reason why we started this show. So ladies, I'm going to turn it over to you guys first. We're going to get into Deshaun Watson is now a Cleveland Brown. I think we've all felt differently about this. Um, and what I think is going to be good about this show is I think all three of us are obviously women. And I think we've kind of went through a lot of different emotions. We're maybe on a different path uh, than one another. We may be accepting things a little bit differently. Uh, And we're going to listen to each other. We're going to be respectful of one another. Those are things that you're not seeing playing out in social media right now. So really good reminder that conversations can happen. You can feel a certain way. And we are welcoming of that. And we're all still friends. So Brittany, I'm going to turn it over to you. Uh, go ahead and get into wherever you want to start. Okay, so (laughs) I was thinking of all the ways that I could go with this. I'm about to go on a little monologue here. Um, I feel like this could be a teaching moment in some ways. So what I decided that I was going to do is sort of go the education route for this because I think that's important. Um, So the first thing I want to talk about is this sentence that keeps being thrown around all over social media and it's innocent until proven guilty. Uh, You know, the word innocent, it's been thrown around a lot lately casually and I just want to clarify something important 
just because the jury decided there was not enough evidence to indict criminal charges, that does not make someone innocent. So there are still 22 civil suits out there. Uh, they have not been dismissed. They have not been settled. They're still very much in play. And one thing that I want people to know is that cases like this are not easy to prove because it's typically one person in a room with one other person. It generally gets reduced to a he said, she said circumstance, and that's just not enough to indict someone for criminal charges. Now, I understand that none of these allegations are allegations of rape because I keep seeing people say, oh, he's a rapist. That's, that's not what he's being charged with. That's a whole different subject. But it is important to note that of 1,000 rapes, <laughs> this is shocking, 995 perpetrators will go unpunished for that. And while these are not rape cases, any kind of sexual assault, sexual violence, sexual misconduct falls under the same umbrella of being nearly impossible to prove. It's also important to note that of every 1,000 rapes, only 331 are actually reported to the police. 90-some percent of those cases do not end in a conviction. So again, this is not about rape specifically, but it does fall under the same umbrella, which is why I want people to understand that just because he is not facing criminal charges does not mean it did not happen. It means there is not enough evidence to indict, which is true in most cases of sexual assault. So throwing the word innocent around is ignorant, careless, and insensitive. It's also important to know that, and I found this, it's from uh, the National Sexual Violence Resource Center. And this is also something that I've seen a lot of, so I wanted to address it. The prevalence of false allegations is estimated to be between 2% and 10%. So while people insist that women lie, I can promise you they don't lie about this with the frequency you believe them to. They just don't. I promise you that most women do not want to have their lives turned upside down. Most women don't want to relive their trauma over and over again in public or in court or in depositions or in any way. Most women don't want to have their name dragged through the mud. And I promise you do not need to lecture women about the process here. Nationwide, 81% of women reported experiencing some form of sexual harassment and or assault in their lifetime. This means that there are way more victims than you think. And every time you go off online about women lying and women not being pretty enough to assault and how these people are innocent, you're hurting a lot more people than you think you are. So that's the teaching moment that I wanted to get out there. That's the educational route that I wanted to take. Um, that was my approach for tonight. Yeah, Brittany, I'm glad you went over that. We we talked a lot about those statistics as well um, on the show last week. Um, and it's pretty eye-opening uh, because people just aren't educated in sexual assault. And unfortunately, you know, it's, it's a little bit of ignorance, right? Because a lot of the people that are saying <laughs> that women lie or that this isn't true are often men. Mm -hmm. And not that men aren't sexually assaulted, um, they are. They are victims of this as well. Yep. But it's just less common. So, of course, like, why would they be aware of any of these statistics? And um, as you outlined, the perpetrators tend to walk free. So, you know, even in even in this assault taking place, 
it's not common that it'll go anywhere. And the other thing that we talked about too was when you have these statistics against you and you know those facts, it doesn't make you feel comfortable even reporting it, right? Because you're already, the, the odds are stacked against you. No, and a lot of times, unfortunately, the police will straight up tell you that. Um, yeah. There's a documentary on HBO that I just watched a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it, it's basically, it goes into detail about these rape kits that are filed and they just put them in warehouses and don't touch them. They don't do anything with them. They don't test them. They don't, they'll do it to make the people there feel better. The people that come in and report these things, they, you know, make it look like they're doing something. But most of the times it just goes and you never hear about it again. This is the problem. And when it comes to a solution, I don't have any. I, (laughs) I wish I did. I wish there was a way that this could be taken more seriously. I wish there was a way that, you know, there, there was some answer for any of this, but there's really not. I've, I've racked my brain over and over and over again trying to think of, well, you know, what, what could be done more? What could, how could women be encouraged to, to come forth more? I don't have any answers because there aren't any good ones. Um, yeah. So this and is the just... the part... Yeah, and, and the hard part is that if you are a woman... Who was sexual assaulted even if you're a man who was sexual assaulted like terry cruz comes to mind for me brendan uh brendan frazier comes to mind uh corey feldman comes to mind these are all men who were sexually harassed and assaulted in hollywood and when they tried to come forward with their stories they were undermined and they were ridiculed and they were downplayed and you know Anytime someone comes forward with allegations of sexual assault, we know, like, we're fully aware that our names are going to get dragged through the mud. So it's a really difficult thing Mm -hmm. to come forward. Like, first off, getting sexually assaulted, harassed in any way, shape or form, whether it's the a mild case or the most severe case, it's it's trauma. It is extreme trauma. And you have to process it first and people process things in different ways. And a lot of times people are in denial that they were even sexually assaulted in the first place. Like it kind of takes some reflection and looking back and realizing like, oh my God, that happened to me. And there's that, that time of processing and then that time of, can I come forward? Should I come forward? What's going to happen to me if I do? And all of these things are are things that people go through, you know, after they've been sexually assaulted. And when you're trying to accuse someone who is in an extreme position of power, like an NFL quarterback or a Hollywood producer or your boss at work or even, I don't know, your part, your domestic partner, like all of this, if, if the person... Who assaulted you has more power than you it makes it that much harder which is why i get so upset that you know Brittany, you brought up the statistics of false allegations are you know anywhere from two to ten percent but it feels like a hundred percent of the people who come forward are accused of false allegations and yes. it's exhausting and it's upsetting and i we need we need to stop you know i i think that's the first step is to stop demonizing 
assault victims. Like that has got to be the first step. Yeah. So when I I brought this up in a tweet, well, it was actually a week ago, like when the no indictment happened. And I remember someone responding with like, well, what's your solution then? Like presumed guilty first. What if your husband was accused? You just believe the woman. And, you know, I know these people throw around like these hypotheticals of, you know, you were in this situation or like my own personal favorite on the other argument side is you have a daughter. Like, how can you how can you even like question this? And what I would say to that is in this specific case, there's 22 allegations against him, which if you look at the sheer number, like there's probably a pretty good chance that there's some truth in the 22 accusations, right? So like, I think it's just a little bit different to compare like 22 and then one woman accusing my husband. But going back to, to like these hypotheticals, like here's, here's my solution, hold people accountable. And Brittany, you talked about the education piece and making people known um, with facts. And I have a couple of solutions that like may sound really silly. Um, and it's not solutions in terms of like, I have a way to bring evidence to the courts and right. to <clears throat> lawyers. But <throat> for me as a parent, you know, I've been hearing a lot about the, you have a daughter, you're, you're a girl dad, or um, you, you know, wh- why don't you think of your daughter in this situation? And here's my response to that. Like, I actually think that people that are asking that question need to reframe it and say, do you have a son? Because here's what I think. I am teaching my son what consent means. I am teaching both of my children what boundaries are. I am letting them be in control of their body. And what what does that mean? Like, here, here's what I'm talking about. And a lot of this came from my foster care training, which sounds like so silly because honestly, like I became a parent without any training, right? I just became a parent. I got pregnant. I had kids. I had no one that taught me things. I went to classes about how to change a diaper, how to breastfeed, how to do all those things. Nobody, you don't, you're not required to take training classes when you become a parent. But in order to be a foster parent, you are required to take training classes. And let me just tell you, I know I've been harping on this a lot, but I have learned so much about being a parent going through a foster care class. And I'm using a lot of these methods for my own biological children as well, because it really makes you think about how you're raising your children and all these things that sure make sense to me as an adult, but it's my job to teach my children these things. So what I think is really important, if if you wanna, if you're a parent, maybe you're about to be a parent, maybe you have uh, nieces, nephews, grandchildren, and you're listening, There's a really good website called um, www.safesecurekids.org. And it talks about how you can teach your children consent um, and specific things. And I'm going to go over some of them. So before I get into that, though, teach your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews. Have them say the proper names for their genitalia. Teach them penis. Teach them vagina. Step one in in preventing child sexual abuse is to make sure that they know their body parts. Because if some child goes to their teacher or a safe adult and says, my uncle is touching my cookies, nobody knows what that means. It is important that you start there. 
It is not shameful. They should know. Step two, if you want to teach your kids about boundaries and let them be in control of their body, remind them that their body belongs to them. They get to decide what they do with it. No one should touch them without their permission. Consent means choosing to respect boundaries. Practice this. Model this behavior at home. If, if you want to tickle your children and, and they say, no, I don't want to be tickled, listen to them and stop or ask them for permission first. Is it okay if I tickle you? Can I hug you today? Don't force your children to give hugs and kisses. Like a lot of cases, and, and you may have dealt with this, you guys, as, as a child. I mean, I know I've been through this, right? You're, you're young, you're you know 10 years old, and you're leaving a family event and a family reunion. You haven't seen this weird uncle in you know 10 years. And they're like, <laughs> go give your uncle Ed a hug. Like, go give him a kiss goodbye. And you're like, I don't even know this man. Like, yes. I don't want to go give him a hug and a kiss. This is weird. Yes. Like, let your children decide. If they say, no, I don't want to give hugs and kisses today, say, okay, that's fine. How about you wave goodbye? Because if you are forcing physical affection on your children, you are teaching them that they don't own their body. And that is where some of this stuff starts. So that is what you can do if you want to take some action. And I'm not saying if if these are some of the things that you you haven't done with your kids. Like, you're not raising them to be a predator, but you can kind of reframe some of these thoughts in your own thinking and model that same behavior at home. Like you can make these changes right now because my son better know the word no, when to stop and what it means. And same with my daughter. I want my daughter to know that it's not her fault first and foremost, just because she's a woman, just because of what she wears does not mean that she deserves to be treated a certain way. And I want her to understand that if this happened to her, if she was in this situation, that she can recognize that it's wrong and come talk to me. Because Meredith, you touched on it a little bit. Like you were talking about, they might people that are in this particular situation might not even know that it's abuse, right? It doesn't feel right, but they're kind of questioning it. Because in a lot of cases, and we talked about this last week too, people assume rape is the only type of assault that can happen. But it goes well beyond that. And if you, if you don't know that it's not just rape, you might not understand that some of these things that are happening are wrong. So that was my, I'm sorry, I got on my soapbox a little bit. This is a lot of education. We're an educational show tonight. This no, is. it's okay. And I did want to contribute to um, the bodily autonomy and consent conversation that you were having, Brie, because I think one of the things that I have noticed um, with both women in particular and especially with children too, is that we're kind of conditioned to be mindful of other people's feelings. And I think one of the hardest parts is like, say you're at a family gathering and, you know, your kids are there like Maddox and Layla and, you know, someone said, comes up to Maddox and says, give me a hug goodbye. And he says, no. And then that relative gets upset. Like, oh, you don't want to give me a hug goodbye. Like, I think it's, you know, our jobs as parents, or even if you're an adult in the room to say, hey, the child said, no, you need to respect that. Yes. Because a lot of times, you know, that family member who wants the hug or the kiss and doesn't get it will throw a fit. And, you know, then the child feels like they've done something wrong by saying no. So I think, you know, we also have to stand up to other adults in the room when it comes to that thing. Cause I know for my, one of my 
I guess, biggest frustrations that I see working in an environment that's mostly male. And I'm not talking about where I currently work specifically. It's just, you know, for the past 10 years, I've been in a career where I've like nine times out of 10, I'm the only woman in the room. And, you know, men will say things that are really kind of gross and inappropriate. And the comment that comes after that is, oh, you can't say that because there's a woman in a room, not you can't say that because it's wrong, you know? And I think that when you're using, I guess, the children comparison plus the the adult woman, man, whatever comparison, it's, you know, when a child says no and somebody in the room doesn't want to respect that, you know, sometimes you need to step in for that child so they know that it's okay. And then if you are in a room where someone is saying something inappropriate instead of saying, oh, you can't say that because so-and-so is in the room, say, you need to rethink what you're saying because that's really gross and wrong. You know, like that has always been my, um, like one of the biggest roadblocks for me. And one of the things that I always find the most insulting is that you're not correcting the person because what they're saying or doing is wrong. You're just saying, oh, just don't say that here or don't say that right now. You know, say it later when so-and-so has left the room, you know, and it's it's still excusing that bad behavior. Yeah, that also goes back to, like, holding people accountable. Yeah, right. Right. I mean, I know at my work specifically, you know, we have to take as a manager of people, you have to take sexual harassment training. And typically those things are in place because. And, and like you take these quizzes and it's like, wow, this is just, it seems like common sense, but you know that the reason you're taking this training is because this stuff has happened before. And that right. alone, you know, is a problem. Yeah. Like what, what was the old saying? Warning labels exist for a reason. Like yes. if you're looking at a candle, it says do not eat because somebody at some <laughs> point in time ate the candle. Exactly. <laughs> like my son, he tried to eat this, I don't know, an ornament that was made out of clay. It was like, I want to taste no. it because it was pink with confetti it's like well no like well that sounds delicious it looks good but i promise you it does not taste good um anyway so sorry i went on a bit of a tangent but but obviously we're in this place now where the browns made this move and deshaun watson is the quarterback of this football team so i wanted to know where you guys stand are you still processing things are you completely uninvested was there anything that surprised you shocked you um you know because we've had now what three days to process this right mm-hmm. friday evening it was yeah. like right around the dinner hour yeah, yeah I mean, it's uh timing mon- was probably intentional yeah it's um it's monday night so if you're you know so for whatever day you're listening uh this is when we're recording is monday night uh, my parents were in town this weekend and we were out having a great time. I had a great day at work on Friday. I felt good. I was happy my parents were in town. And I had been talking to a friend um, in another city, just a colleague in another city, um, about Deshaun Watson and all the teams that were courting him. And, you know, and I expressed my discomfort with it all. So I'm out with my parents, not paying attention to social media. And then I get a text from this friend that says, I'm sorry. And I'm like, oh, God, what happened? 
because he was getting married this weekend. So he like was in the midst of wedding and this happened. And the first thing he thought of was to text me. And then I checked Twitter and I saw that. Oh God, I don't even know who it was. Adam Schefter, maybe. Tom Pelissero, I don't know. One yeah, of the news breakers. I thought it was a fake account. Like I thought everything was fake. Yeah, accounts. it was bizarre. And my my heart dropped into my stomach because it had been a very stressful week at work, trying to navigate the Deshaun Watson story because. There's a lot of layers to it from both a football standpoint, from, you know, from a moral standpoint and just from a historical standpoint as well. And there are people who were trying to rationalize people who were relieved that the Browns were told that they were out of the running. Like I saw a huge shift in the attitude after the Browns were told that they were out of the running. And then also after Ken Carmen's um, spot on, on channel eight on Fox news eight, where, you know, he gave his feelings about Deshaun Watson and how uncomfortable it made him and how he didn't approve of, of that, of like, if that would have been the signing. Cause at the time we didn't know. And after he said that there was a, there was a noticeable shift in the conversation that I heard from, you know, people who like callers who contribute to work from what I saw on social media. And it felt like everything was kind of like going up and I felt like everything was going to be okay. And then the news dropped, you know, what was it? Four o'clock on a Friday night. And I feel like I am still processing it because it's a really difficult story to navigate. And I think, and I, and I don't know if I'm going to do this like right at this moment, but on the podcast tonight, at some point, I want to debunk all the fad, bad faith arguments that I have been <laughs> dealing with. But I think the one thing when we talk about layers is that people will bring up other members in the NFL who have had checkered past, mainly Ben Rock, Roethlisberger and, and, and Tyreek Hill and Kareem Hunt and, you know, Greg Hardy, Ray Rice. They'll bring up all those and they're like, well, there's, you know, Ben Roethlisberger went on to have a good career and Kareem Hunt has good and this, that and the other. And I just, I wish at some point the attitude of the NFL would change where they would look at people and say, this is not the type of person that I want representing my company. Because we've seen that a lot over the past two years when someone comes out on social media and they say something particularly heinous, you know, obviously like their jobs are up on their LinkedIn and on their social media and people will start calling that person's company and the person then that company will say, well, you know, we've let so-and-so go because they don't reflect the values of this company. Like, at some point, I feel like the NFL has to start doing that. And I hate the whole like, well, there's always criminals in the NFL. And it's like, well, you know, when I was three years old, I threw a tantrum because my mom gave me a green cup instead of a blue cup. And I'm not at, you know, at the age of 32, still throwing a tantrum over a red versus blue cup because that's what I've always done. It's because I grew up <laughs> and I evolved and I and I changed. And that's what I would love to see from the NFL is to see them grow up and evolve and change and realize that you can have 
the Tyrod Taylors of the world be the representative. Like, for Christ's sake, Miles Garrett was punched in the face in the middle of East 9th Street, and he did not respond. He, he made a joke about it on social media later, but why are we not propping up the Miles Garretts? You know, okay, of, of Meredith, the NFL. but to be fair, Miles Garrett also did try to That's true. murder Mason Rudolph. I know. I realized, <laughs> like, as I was making that, that analogy, but I... But still, like, there are, there are really good people. And even, like, Aaron Rodgers is another, I think he's not a good example, but I think he is an example of someone who's an asshole and he's a difficult person to deal with, but he gets a shot because he's a really good football player. He's good at his job. He's good at what he does. He's a top five quarterback in the NFL, but there's no moral issues with Aaron Rodgers in a sense like I know the anti-vax thing is questionable but for the most part you don't have to worry about moral issues when you talk about Aaron Rodgers do you have to talk about a difficult person to deal with sure but you're not having to talk about multitudes of lawsuits against him because of stuff that he does outside of the NFL so that's kind of where I am is that I just wish that there was a higher standard in the NFL. I wish there was a higher standard in this country. And I, it goes back to holding people accountable. It's either like, you know, shape up or ship out. That's what I would like to see because, you know, if you have, you know, if you have a decent moral compass, I feel like you would look at these people and say, why would I want that person to be the face of my franchise? Britt, I want to get your thoughts as well because people are trying to separate the football player and the guy, right? The problem is even deeper than that, but though, because we elected a president that also had allegations against him. So, like, it just goes to show you that this is a problem in the entire country. Yeah. And um, to Meredith's point, you know, she said that she wishes that the NFL took this more seriously. <clears throat> and um, I, we all do. But if they can't, it was my hope that the Cleveland Browns would have done better than this. Um, you know, from the beginning when they brought... Kevin Stefanski there and Andrew Barry there, you know, our podcast, <laughs> everything that we've done for the past two years, we've, we've sang their praises and we, you know, oh, the nerds, the smart guys, they're so, you know, we want them leading the team, uh, servant leaders, all those nice buzzwords. And now here we are. And, you know, I texted you guys on Friday and I said, you know, it seems like even the good guys aren't really that good. Um, and I think that's not what hurt the most, but that was a big part of it for me because I just expected so much more from, from those two specifically. Uh, I can't speak on ownership because to me, this seems like something that ownership would do and that's unfortunate, but you know, I, I thought that we were in good hands. I thought that we were safe from things like this. Um, 
I was very relieved a day or two before when they they were supposedly out of the running. You know, there was that tweet circulating that Browns were out. We didn't have to worry about it. And, you know, I went to therapy the next day I, on Friday morning. Um, and my, uh, my therapist and I, we had emailed earlier in the week and, you know, I told her what I wanted to talk about this week. And, you know, she was all on board and, and I showed up and she's like, oh, I bet you're so relieved today. And I was like, I am very relieved. I'm so relieved that he's not coming here. Like, this is great. Um, and then Friday, like four, four thirty, whatever it was, I was sitting here working and <laughs> just made myself a salad and enjoying the day. And I'd like tune in to, to Brown spaces to hear what they're arguing about. And then the news broke and they all started screaming in celebration. And immediately I, I left there and I just deactivated my Twitter because I couldn't sit there and watch the celebration of it all it it felt like a it, it was a gut punch um and i'm i swear i'm not trying to be dramatic that's not my intention here but you know often on the whole night i i was crying because the cleveland browns you know it was always a lot more than just sports um I have formed friendships that I think are lifelong friendships with you two included uh, because of a special bond that we had over this team specifically. I have, I I met my boyfriend through sports. Um, You know, as you know, he's on the radio and I listen to him every day. And, you know, I I didn't on Friday because I just, I couldn't. And he understood that. And, um, you know, we've had opportunities. We've talked to a lot of people in the organization and formed bonds and relationships. And we sort of built this brand because of largely the Cleveland Browns. So when that happens, I know in my mind, in my heart, that I can't go on supporting this team. I know that. My heart just, it won't let me do it. Um, And I think of all the things that now I'm going to miss out on because this was something that was kind of taken from me. And it's unfortunate that fans were put in this position. Um, You know, that the the news broke today that allegedly they did not even talk to the victim's lawyer. They didn't reach out to the victims at all to get their side and you know when they sit there and put releases out that say oh we did our extensive homework we you know it was comprehensive it was tremendous <laughs> you didn't even it's like you, you did homework and you did one third of it and said that's good enough for me that's the thing that I want to hear so this is what I'm going to run with and that's not fair that's not fair to them it's not fair to your fans it's, it's not fair to anyone the only person you're you're considering here is the person in question, the person with 22 suits against him. That's the one that you were concerned about. That's the one that you rewarded. And I can't express enough how much that hurts. Not as, you know, just a woman, just as a decent person. Like, that hurts. What the Cleveland Browns did hurt. And in a lot of ways, it's unforgivable. And I... 
I'm not out here like morally posturing or telling people what they should do. I'm not going to preach. I haven't really said much about it um, because this is, if it's a personal issue, which it is to me, this is a deeply personal topic to me, I don't need to go spread the message. I can just, you know, quietly dip out and say I'm disappointed. Um, I wasn't even sure if I was going to, you know, do this show because I, I don't want to make people feel guilty about, you know, choosing, you know, this path or this path or, you know, I'm not here to do that. I'm just, I, we started this show to be voices because we saw that women were not represented in this sort of sports atmosphere. And I felt like, even if it's for the last time, I wanted my voice to be heard about this subject because it's deeply important to me. Yeah, and I think another, I think the things that contributed to the gut punch that you talked about, you know, outside of the fact that we thought that the Browns were out of the running, so there was a sense of relief, but the fact that it was the biggest trade in NFL history, the Cleveland Browns gave up more than any other team has before for a quarterback. They gave him, what was it, $230 million dollars? And his first year contract is like only a $1 million salary, which is like really suspicious. And the, there's a very high amount of guaranteed money. Just the amount of assets and money that they threw out there to get a guy who is in the midst of legal troubles. And on top of that, your quarterback is the face of your organization, so they're choosing this man who has a ton of baggage and has a ton of issues and has a ton of drama. You know, there were reports on ESPN last week that the Browns wanted an adult at quarterback. And yet you go after somebody who who is being currently being buried in lawsuits. And Nicole even said on our podcast last week that more criminal charges could come to light. So even though the grand jury didn't indict him, was it March 11th was when he faced the grand jury? He could face another one again. And this is what the Browns chose as their face of the franchise. They said they want to, they want an adult. And I don't know if Deshaun Watson qualifies as an adult. Um, And then the amount that they gave up for him tons and tons of future draft picks tons and tons of money for what you know like is i almost said is winning really that big of a deal but i realized that yeah like in their world it really is but it's i think i think that's those are all the factors that that just make it that much worse like it's it's different than signing kareem hunt to a one-year deal, you know? I'm sad. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, literally, I, when Brittany was talking, I was just sitting here, like, I got to pull it together because I'm sad. And you hit on it, Brittany. Like, this, this might be dramatic. Maybe it is. I don't know. But it honestly feels like I'm going through the stages of grief in a way because exactly what you said, if the Cleveland Browns, rooting for that team as many downs as we as we've had and we've had way more downs than we have had ups 
all of us are fans because of a generational family being passed down, like the misery being passed down from family member to family member. And the friendship. It's almost like generational trauma. It for sure is. <laughs> yeah. But then like the friendships that are formed and like starting this podcast and like all of these things tie back to the Browns. And it feels like for as much pain as they've given us, they stole the joy that this team gave us. And it makes me sad because I don't know if I can quit the Browns, but I also don't want to quit my friends and the friends that I've formed. And like, it just sucks that they put us in this position and situation to have to mentally and, and consciously like think about these things. And it's frustrating, especially as a woman, like yeah. all the shit that we have to deal with on Twitter in the real world, like people doubting us just for football stuff. And now it's like, give us another reason to be attacked about something that's actually quite serious. Yeah. But like, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't know. I'm, it's just, I'm just frustrated and I'm really sad and I'm still sad about it because like they're losing really great people that were not only like really good fans, but like really good voices and faces of the Browns as, as much as like Dale's hated us and, and, you know, would slash us down. Like to me, like that's the most disappointing part. Like Nicole, who was on our show last week, she's no longer Brown's babe on Twitter. Her handle's completely different. I mean, yeah. like she had her own, like she has her own podcast too. I mean, it just sucks. And like, I don't know if the Browns listen to the show. I, I know we have some contacts within um, the organization and if you are listening, which I hope you are because you should be, we, we are the people that you should be listening to. I mean, I'm sure that they're going to be ignorant and, and go listen to all the people celebrating and they're going to pay attention to that. But here's what I would say to you. Make something good come out of this entire mess. This is your opportunity to make a difference in the community and to make change. I don't want you to talk about it. Like that BS response that was put out yesterday over the weekend, that did nothing for me. You could have just put out a response that said, all we care about is winning. I would have actually respected that more, right? Yeah. Because yeah. that is what it came down to. Uh, yeah, yeah. if that was the case, they would have at least been yeah, honest. Yeah, just be transparent about it. That's all I'm yeah. asking. We don't, we don't like the wool being pulled down over but, our eyes. And that, that's kind of what those yes. statements felt like. But here's what I want to hear from you. As someone that doesn't want to quit you. As someone that, that I don't know how to quit you. Like, this is a problem. Here's what I hope. I hope that Deshaun Watson gets help. I know that's not going to happen anytime soon because that's going to be admitting guilt and there are still all of these civil suits out there to have him be criminally charged. But let's say all of that goes away because he's going to pay a lot of money to, to make it go away. Mm -hmm. I want him to get therapy. I want you to do everything you can to help that man. I want him to show remorse. I want him to serve a suspension. I want the Cleveland Browns organization to be involved and partner with a local women's shelter and organization. I don't want to hear you talk about it. I want to hear from the females within your organization. I want to know what you are doing to make the workplace safe for the women that work for you. This stems from your person that sells tickets to your trainer that you have staffed, to your, your nutritionist. Because if I was working in your organization in any capacity, I would question my own safety 
based on the message that you have just sent. That if you are good at your job, if you can throw a football, if you can win football games, it doesn't matter what you do. You will still be protected. As a female, that is terrifying. That is what I want to hear. D. Haslam, you better have a press conference, lady. I'm glad that you brought all of that up because that was something that was asked of me. Um, I know, um, I think, Brittany, you tweeted about this where you said that, you know, the amount of messages that you got after the signing is pretty telling. And, and I don't know about you, Brie, but I got a ton of messages as well, both um, texts and in my DMs of people, you know, trying, I guess, you know, checking up on me. I had colleagues, I had coworkers texting me and saying, you know, like, how are you doing? I am so sorry. Like, what's your take on this? And one of the questions that was posed to me was, I don't know if he can, but is there anything that Deshaun Watson can do to make it right? And I think, Brie, everything you laid out was perfect because the women that he assaulted are never going to be whole. But showing true remorse, and quite frankly, I think that to me, for me personally, one of the ways that Deshaun Watson can show remorse is either serve his whatever, if if the NFL decides to suspend him, serve his suspension in full and don't fight it because, you know, Ben Roethlisberger fought his suspension and it got reduced. So... Deshaun Watson, you know, say he gets an eight game suspension. Don't fight it. Just serve all eight games. And if the NFL decides to not suspend you, voluntarily sit out. Say like, hey, I'm going to sit out for half a season or a full season. And in that time, I'm going to focus on me and get help for whatever problems that I have. You know, I think to me, that would be the one thing that would speak volumes is not, you know, court mandated this or Brown's mandated that if Deshaun Watson voluntarily said, I am going to make myself better and I am going to sacrifice games to do that, to show you how serious I am to me, that would be the first step in a long journey of recovery and a long journey of earning back the trust of the fans that the Cleveland Browns lost. really sad too i'm like having trouble like even like talking right now just just in all of this though like you know i was i forget even who i was talking to like oh i should go root for the Bengals. you know joe Joe burrow's fun and someone's like what about joe mixon it's like shit (laughs) it's like any team you turn to it's just tainted with something bad and like this you know it's an nfl problem like we said earlier, it's a problem in our country, though. And in terms of what the NFL could do, I mean, the Cleveland Browns weren't the only team that were clamoring after Deshaun Watson. There, I mean, there like were half, what, I think half the league teams? was going, yeah, half the league was going after him. And there were four teams that he decided. And that's another thing that felt gross about this whole process right. is how much power Deshaun Watson had in the whole thing. Right. That, you know, he had half the NFL, half the league wanting you know wanting him badly and then he gets to choose which teams he meets with and he gets to choose you know where he gets to go and there's so many little things that contribute to this whole 
the whole thing feeling so gross and going back to that gut punch that Brittany described. Cause I think it's not just one singular action. It's everything else surrounding it. And the more you think about it, the more things pop up of what made this such a gut punch. Yeah. It feels like the NFL, like, could they not have like, is this not a learning experience just to be like, okay, there's, there's still civil suits that need to get handled. We don't want any team that he's not an option for any team until this all gets ironed out. Like, I just don't right. understand why they can't change the way that they go about their business. I don't they know why that's not standard. I don't know right. why it's yeah. not standard just to say, hey, well, you're not doing anything until civil cases are done because right. they treat civil cases like they don't matter. Exactly. Like this is not a real thing. And it, it, it is a real thing. The NFL is just not treating it like it is. But it is. Let's get that clear. So just wait. Wait until this is all yes. done. If he settles, if they find more evidence to charge him again, whatever you have to do, wait. You're not in any rush. You shouldn't be in any rush. This should have never happened the way that it did. This was disgusting from all teams involved. Starting with Deshaun Watson, obviously. Like, he's the... <laughs> and one of the things that really makes this even more gross is the fact that let's say he he did what he's being alleged of okay let's say even he did like half of what he's being alleged of so then it becomes an issue of this man clearly has a problem with feeling some type of way about having control and power in situations this is because he was he, he put himself in positions where women felt weird about saying no or felt like they didn't have a voice in this i tried to explain this to someone earlier when you know he, he said well he has a beautiful girlfriend why would he trade that in to you know do this with fives and sixes that's what he said which oh. <laughs> yeah okay. um <laughs> but i i tried to explain this isn't Sexual predators don't care about looks. This isn't about, you know, she's hot. She's not hot enough to sexually harass. Like, what the hell are we even arguing here? But what it is about is this guy likes to have a certain level of power and control over women in specific situations. If this is if what he did is true. So then they went to this whole process of giving Deshaun Watson all the power and control of the situation. And it's vile. That whole situation yeah. is just vile from start to finish, every in between, disgusting. So can I, so since you were talking about one of the arguments that you were having, I want to bring up some of the bad faith arguments that I've been having or bad, bad faith arguments that have been presented to me that I have seen and heard and ones that I've had myself. And actually, I wrote them down. Um, one of them you already brought up, Brittany, with the innocent until proven guilty. Um, that is a bad faith argument because the term innocent is a very loaded word. And the term guilty is also a very loaded word. And, you know, lawyers will tell you this. Nicole said it on our podcast last week. Brittany said it earlier in the podcast tonight. Just because you go before a grand jury and they don't indict you does not mean you didn't do it. So the innocent until proven guilty, bad faith argument. Um, the other bad faith argument that I have heard and one that I had today was the timing of the allegations where 
the the man that I was arguing with brought up the fact that these allegations didn't come to light until after Deshaun Watson requested a trade from the Texans. And he was like, well, don't you find that a little suspicious? And I said, no. And that made him mad where he said, but, but you know, why, why did they wait until after? And I had to tell him that I will never question the timing of a victim coming forward ever for some of the reasons that I laid out earlier in the podcast and that, you know, it's a trauma response and they have time. They need time to process. They need time to weigh the, you know, the risk versus, you know, I don't want to say reward, but they have to weigh, they have to weigh the risk of coming forward. I like, you can't ever question the timing of a sexual assault victims coming forward. It's a bad faith argument because you're essentially, you're accusing them without accusing them of trying to get something out of the person when maybe all they really want is justice. And, you know, they're not necessarily trying to ruin somebody else's life because that's another bad faith argument. Oh, these women are trying to, no, like he, you know, if he did what he was alleged to these 22 women, their lives are already ruined. And then on top of that, their lives have been ruined even more by coming forward. So I just, like, it's, it's gross to question the timing of a woman coming forward. And the other really, really gross argument that I had to have today was, well, you know, there were 40 masseuses and only 22 of them alleged, you know, these, these sexual assault allegations. And, First off, if you have 40 masseuses over the course of two years, there's like, right? I don't know. Like, why is like, that not the reddest of flags? I Listen know, to that yourself. Is a red flag. But, but just because something didn't happen to one person doesn't mean it didn't happen to another. So like, like maybe I like, maybe somebody like in the street approaches me and slaps me in the face and they say, you know, stay out of sports, woman. But then if that doesn't happen to Brittany, that doesn't mean it didn't happen to me. And that's what I got really, really angry with, with that argument was, you know, oh, well, there's, you know, X number of other women who claim that they had a great, like that they had a great experience working on Deshaun Watson. And I, and I had to say over and over and over again, because the person wasn't listening to me, that just because it did not happen to one person does not mean it didn't happen to somebody else. That's like saying, well, I've never had a problem with the police. Therefore, we don't have a police problem in America. You know? Right. And that's, that's exactly what that argument feels like. So there's just, there's a lot of bad faith arguments going around. And if that's what you want to use, I really feel like you need to reevaluate why you're using those arguments. Like, are you trying to get a rise out of people? Are you trying to rationalize why you're rooting for Deshaun Watson. Like you, there's a lot of in, like you really need to look internally if these are the types of arguments that you're using. You know, I think that there's a real problem with those arguments in particular. And then another argument is um, Deshaun Watson's defense attorney, I think published, um, they they published a deposition uh, not a deposition i wish nicole was here so she could like tell me the <laughs> legal so word last of. week from her i was like I I'm, really, I'm too dumb for this i know i like 
the the defense attorney published his argument for Deshaun Watson. And I've seen a lot of people who have now taken that and they are posting it all over the internet and they're posting it in my mentions and they're posting it in other people's mentions and they're saying, you're not reading everything and you're not looking at the facts. And I'm like, a defense attorney's argument, it, that's, that's not the facts. That is an argument. Like that's literally their job. That is like I that mean, is confirmation bias to its fullest, where you don't want to accept that somebody probably did a bad thing. Somebody could have done a bad thing. So you're looking at their defense attorney's arguments. Like one of the things he brought up uh, in in the the defense attorney's argument, they were talking about the women who were bragging about working on Deshaun Watson afterwards. And like I said trauma response they may not have realized at the time that what happened to them is really what happened to them and there was a an article in sports illustrated of a woman who went into extreme detail about what deshaun watson did in their massage like in their massage therapy session and it's it's eye-opening so like sure the the defense attorney brought that up and then another thing that the defense attorney had brought up was the fact that some of the women had scrubbed their social media afterwards and I was like, correlation doesn't isn't causation. Like Brittany deactivated her Twitter account, you know, and it doesn't mean that, you know, that you're lying about anything. It just means that you need a mental break from social media. Like I just these things that are being brought up and these are the things that people are trying to use as fact or the things that people are trying to bring up and saying, well, you don't know the whole story. And it's like, well, you can't look at a defense attorney's well, and it, argument and then use true, that. Like, none of us do know the full story, but you have right. to remember a defense attorney's job is to defend his client, as is a prosecutor's job is to defend their client's point of view. Like that is literally what their job is. So, right, right. So course, you can't use the, yeah. Yeah. Like, you, you can't, can't use just, those defense attorneys. at one side of it. But like, again, though, Meredith, it, it, all, it all goes back to common sense in a way, because like none of us knows what happens. But like Brittany said, it's the the patterns and these things that are red flags that you start to just piece things together of like, okay, well, that doesn't seem right. Like probably should question that. <laughs> um, well, and then at one point they're like, well, anything that did happen was consensual. Why did things consensually happen when you're, when you're getting a massage? You know what I mean? Oh, gosh. Okay, yeah, if so you're being, yeah, like if you're getting a, like, I don't know if you guys have ever gotten a sports massage before, Wait, but can they I just are say, I got a massage painful. a month ago. They're painful. I just started thinking about this. It was my first one in probably like six or seven years. Like it had been a long time. And I went to my esthetician who does my facials. Um, and it had been a long time since I'd gotten a massage. So like I was already like a little bit apprehensive just in general because like, you know, <laughs> it was a full body massage. And, you know, she was like, you get undressed like however whatever you feel comfortable with you can leave your undergarments on if you don't want them on like that's fine I'm gonna work area to area you know I'll have the sheet I'll move the sheet around blah 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 and you know I'm just like a I guess nervous person in general like did I shave my legs like you know like people judging yes. me like <laughs> yeah. are you gonna see my cellulite when you're like working on my leg you know just I didn't have a pedicure you know just like all those things start running through my head but I was like Talk about being in the most vulnerable position ever. Number one, like the person getting the massage should be the most vulnerable because you are like, if she wanted to take advantage of me, she 100% could. But then in this case, it was like the, like the amount of 
gall it takes to be naked laying on a massage table and to act that way when I'm sitting over there fretting if I missed a spot on my leg that she was going to touch is just mind-blowing to me when you read some of these reports. Right. Like, I, I went through the Sports Illustrated report with that one. Her pseudonym was uh, Mary. And it was the one who uh, didn't hire Busby as her attorney. And she was just going through all the yes, the things that, that happened. Too. And it's just like, I, I believe her. I do. I 100% do. And the details that she gave... You know, Sports Illustrated had to go through the messages and corroborate her story. It took, you know, days to, to go through everything and make sure that what they were publishing was about as factual as they could be. Um, and the when you read it, you're just like, Jesus Christ. And then you think of all the red flags here. So, you know, he has 18, to, 18 who said he didn't do anything to go against 22 who said he did. He says that, well, anything that happened, you know, was consensual. Why is there consensual happenings going on when you're supposed to be getting, a, a like, a sports massage here? Right. There's so, so many things. That, yeah. So if he claims that it, it was consensual, does that mean that he looked at the ther- the massage therapist in the eyes and said, can I do X, Y, Z during the massage? And she said yes. That is the only situation in which, like, quote, unquote, consensual things happen is if you are explicitly asked and you explicitly say yes. So the the idea that, oh, it's consensual. And I was like, but was it though? It's so filthy. Like everything about this is just filthy. The details are gross. I They're bad. Maybe yeah. not. And I said this, maybe not all 22 are telling the truth. But I promise you, there's a lot of truth being told. Yeah, it's it's really, really difficult to get 22 women to come up with near identical stories of what their experiences were and when you say oh well one the rest didn't come out until one came out and it's like well yeah that's how sexual assault mass sexual assault works like look at harvey weinstein he had been you know sexually assaulting and raping women for for decades in hollywood and it just took one person to speak up before the rest of them felt like they could come out and speak up. And I'm sure there's tons of Harvey Weinstein victims who haven't spoken out because they're still not comfortable with it. So, you know, it's, I just wish that people would use common sense, like you said, when they argue these things, but I feel like they have these blinders on and, you know, going to the defense attorney's publication or, or the defense attorney's argument and looking at that and trying to use that as an argument of, Oh, Deshaun Watson didn't do X, Y, Z. Like, that's not common sense. That's confirmation bias. And for us, I know it's it's just, it's a really frustrating and annoying thing to have to deal with now, you know, and having these arguments and having to engage in these bad faith arguments. It's not fair to us. Yeah. I think the other complicated matter, and someone accused me of, not wanting to believe Deshaun Watson because he was black. Um, and I know that that is, a, is another complicated piece in this entire matter because in most cases, black men or women are oftentimes perceived as guilty. And in some cases, with not even committing a crime. 
Um, where I would argue against that is like the 22 instances that we've just talked about. Um, but like you look at the league and like there have been instances of white men accused of a similar crime. You know, Ben Roethlisberger we talked about. Even like Peyton, when the Peyton Manning stuff went down. Yeah. You know, like it, this isn't this isn't a case of race. And there are like there are no statistics that I've seen necessarily about race and sexual assault, like the the correlation there. And specifically when it comes to like victims as well, like it doesn't like Brittany said, like there it doesn't matter like what you look like traditionally, like a victim doesn't look a certain way. Um, and I would say the same thing about a perpetrator. It, no, in a lot of cases, the power aspect of it. Yeah. A lot of times, you know, this this issue does get brought up and they're like, well, you know, for me personally, like sexual assault, rape, what it, it's all this. I don't care what the rapist looks like. I don't care about their ethnicity. I don't care. Like, I've always been, I mean, like, look at how, all the shit that I talked about Ben Roethlisberger over the years. Yeah. Relentlessly. I don't care. This isn't, sometimes I think that the issue of sexual assault or, you know, rape, sexual violence, sexual harassment, they try to sort of take, make it take a back seat to any kind of, you know, prejudice or racism involved. And that's not fair to victims. That's not fair to anyone that's ever been a victim of it to say, well, you know, you're only saying this because this person so-and-so. No, I'm saying this because it's important that I stand up for sexual assault victims. I, it doesn't matter who they are. It doesn't matter how much money they have. I don't care what their profession is. I don't care about their ethnicity. Like, for people that treat this deeply personally... None of this ever matters. Correct. Yeah, that's really well said. Do you guys, any, so I, I do want to acknowledge, though, for a minute, this is probably the first show, conversation, what I, and I've listened to, like, I've seen snippets here on, like, on national coverage of this. Um, I have Sirius XM in my car, and obviously they've been talking about this. So I've, I've heard some snippets in my car driving. I've listened to Spaces, uh, local the radio. Spaces. You know, trying to just get different perspectives because there's a lot of different ones. And, and what you see on social media can be extremes on both sides, um, as we often know. But I have not listened to a show or seen a snippet where – they don't bring up the football side and we have not even talked about I the football move which no. i think is really important like i do think that's really important that we don't even acknowledge that piece because quite frankly like i think you're diminishing or minimizing the larger conversation so yeah. we're not going to talk about that right because it, it feels it feels like when people try to bring up the football thing over and over again, it feels like they're intentionally trying to detract from the sexual assault conversation, yes, exactly. you know, and that's like, that's not fair to the people who want to have that conversation. That's uh, I mean, and there are people who don't want to have that conversation who need to hear it. They really do. And I think that we need to stop diminishing people's lived experiences we need to stop trying to detract from this conversation because it makes us feel uncomfortable. 
That's the only way you learn and grow is if you put yourself in an uncomfortable position. You know, you're never going to grow if you're always in your comfort zone. You're never going to become a better person if you're always in your comfort zone. And I think this conversation is relevant to that. You know, if you're uncomfortable thinking about the, the things that Deshaun Watson may or may not have done, if you're uncomfortable with the idea of rooting for the success of someone who is who has 22 sexual assault allegations against them, like, I think that you need to use that as a learning opportunity and use that as a growing opportunity because that's what makes our society better. And hopefully that'll make it a safe, make this world a safer place moving forward. Because I think that's one of the parts that hits me really personally is when you see people say, well, I don't care just when football games are, well, let's take the, you know, baggage out of this and only talk about the football things. That makes me feel like I'm not safe. Right. Like I, that makes me feel like, do I need to worry about my own personal safety in this situation? Are you somebody that needs to go on my radar as someone who is not a person who is safe? I also just want to remind everyone just have some compassion and empathy like we're yes. we're all gonna probably take away and feel differently about this and you know you might be like Brittany and just you're done right this is it not a fan anymore not gonna go there Meredith you this is a livelihood in a sense so it's still yeah, gonna be a is, part of your life it's my job yeah if it's, you're like it's... me who wishes she could quit the Cleveland Browns but can't and I'm really struggling with that and and what I don't want to do is let down my really good friends and you know I think we all are kind of accepting of where everyone is at in this entire journey and I just would encourage everyone to just be that way like it doesn't you don't have to tear someone down for feeling a certain way it doesn't have to be that way like just just be nice to people it's really not that hard I, I really don't understand like why people have to think that their opinion and their point of view is the end-all be-all why yeah put your listening ears on when someone wants to talk because it is a frustrating thing when you're presented with bad faith arguments and you engage with them and you uh and you kind of tear apart their argument and they still say, well, I'm still going to think the way I'm going to think. And it's like, well, why? Because I just took away every, all of your reasoning for why you feel the way you do, but you're still going to, so this whole thing was a waste of time. You know, it's, you know, put your listening ears on and truly hear what people have to say. Don't threaten people either. Like I just, like what, nothing good comes out of like these, these threats and, and like, it just, I don't know why people, are the way that they you're, are. I know. You're not accomplishing anything no. by sending death threats. Like, it just makes you look like a bad person. Yeah. Probably because I don't, I don't think a good person would send death threats in the first place. So. I feel like we need to wrap up this conversation. Do you guys, we've, we've been on for about over an hour. Do you guys want to just touch on the Baker stuff? Because, like, what a wild turn of events with Baker. <laughs> I, oh, I man. really... You know, I was like, this is, we were watching a divorce play out, like, in real life. And it was pretty uncomfortable. 
for a couple of days. And now, Brittany, I saw your tweet before we joined the show. Um, and I think you should bring it up because I, I think you're spot on. Yeah. So, you know, I in a way, I do feel bad. I feel bad for the way that this all do. played out. Um, because yeah, I'd like to reiterate, for most of the two and a half years that we've been doing this, all three of us, this whole show has been very pro-Baker. We really have. And to see this end the way it's ending is is pretty hard to watch, honestly. Um, but w- what we're seeing right now is that, you know, I said earlier, it kind of, it's becoming pretty obvious that, you know, if you want to call them Baker bros or whatever, <laughs> they it's fell. trending, by the way. <laughs> of course it is. They fell in love with Baker as a person. They fell in love with what they thought he was and this sort of, I don't know, I guess like a, a folklore of a person, you know, gritty. The, the hard worker, yeah. blue collar guy, collar. represents <laughs> represents the city of Cleveland. Yeah. He gets the us. Tail. You know, someone <laughs> you responded. Know they- Someone responded. They say like, he gets. Well, us. you know, yeah. we we like or we like the progressive commercials because it wasn't that he loved Cleveland so much it wasn't far fetched that he would actually live in the stadium. Oh gosh, no! <laughs> and I, was like, I didn't even respond because like, how am I supposed to respond to that? Like, what are you? Doing? That is amazing. <laughs> I don't know. So, you know, they fell so hard and so deep for this this person. That, a little dude, but he's five. He was yeah, four, he exactly, was three at the time. exactly. <laughs> but now we're seeing the actual value of Baker Mayfield, the quarterback. Yeah, sad. and it's it's not a lot, guys. It's, I know it's not I mean, going it's not, so well. Yeah, and it's not just his value on the field. There have been some damning things yeah. that have come to the surface in the past seven days. Um, Charles Robinson's podcast, um, You Pod to Win the Game, he talked about um, Baker Mayfield's relationship with the Cleveland Browns. And it sounds like the relationship was deteriorating long before the Deshaun Watson stuff started. I mean, Mary Kay Cabot had reported on it in January. I think her exact words, and, you know, I apologize to Mary Kay if I'm misquoting her, but it was, you know, if the Browns want to move forward with Baker, they need to fix their relationship. Like this was something that she had reported months ago. And one of the things that Charles Robinson had said on his podcast is that, you know, Baker likes to take to social media for everything. And the Browns would have meetings with Baker and suddenly the details of the conversation or the meeting were in the news the next day. And there are some issues that were pretty obvious, like when Jay Glazer was talking about his labrum being completely torn. And just anytime there was Baker Mayfield news, Charles Robinson said it was leaked by Baker Mayfield, which meant the Browns couldn't trust him. And that is... Yeah, that and is also, like massive Mary, yikes you on bikes. The fact, though, that he quote tweeted that Mary Kay article and tweet, and then all of his minions attacked her, and that has been something yes. that's been consistent throughout his career. Is this battle with the media? Yet, for some reason, our fan base thinks that the fans drove Baker Mayfield out of the city. 
No, like that, and, that is actual an argument that people were having that. And it's, Baker it's very old <laughs> was driven out of this city because of the fans. Yeah, no. And it's, it's very, yeah. Cause I mean, like there's like, I don't know if there is a quarterback that is more beloved by the city than Baker Mayfield. And it's very gaslighty of him to quote tweet Mary Kay and call her article clickbait or to say in a press conference, I don't like the fact that the media is talking about my injury. And it's like, you told Jay Glazer that your labrum was torn. Jay Glazer said you were the one who told him about your injury. So it's just like, again, don't pull the wool over our eye. Like, don't piss on my leg and tell me it's raining. You know, like. Probably my favorite thing about last week on Thursday was I was I was in the office that day and and you guys know like I I'm not really on my phone all that much but Mm -hmm. I was getting all of the alerts from my apps and it was like the Browns fully expect Baker Mayfield to be their starter and then literally like one minute later it was like Baker Mayfield requested a trade and then one minute later it was the Browns deny Baker Mayfield's trade I was like what is happening right now yeah they were communicating via telephone I know (laughs) it was all coming out and it like if if Charles Robinson is correct in what he's saying and he normally is, then you would have to think that all of those reports were leaked by Baker himself. Yeah, right? well didn't ESPN he directly just called ESPN. <laughs> I'm just gonna tell you guys. Like, how about you just have a phone call with each other? I don't know. Like maybe this mess doesn't need to be displayed. Yeah, and um <laughs> and then what we're seeing today is now that Deshaun Watson has chosen his landing spot. The rest of the quarterback dominoes are falling. The The Saints re-signed Jameis Winston. The Colts, who Baker Mayfield made it wanted very clear, like, to. he wanted to go to the Colts. But now the Colts said, you know what? We're going to take a 37-year-old Matt Ryan. Oh, Matt, Matty Ice. Matty Ice. Because they think that they have a better shot with a near 40-year-old quarterback than they do with a 26-year-old first overall pick. You know, and then I think, what was it? The Seahawks said that if they were to trade, I think the Seahawks requested a draft pick in addition to Baker in a trade like this. His value is just plummeting. Like his, like if he was the stock market, like it's 1933 (laughs) in in Baker Mayfield Inc. (laughs) Can I ask you guys uh, two questions while we close out the show? Not to put you on the spot or anything. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Brittany, this one's for you. Will you still be, like, a casual fan of the NFL? Are you, like, kind of done with the NFL in general? Nah, I th- I think I'm just ready to sit it out now. Um, yeah, okay. Because, like, I didn't know if you were going to, like, go fully Lamar Jackson. <laughs> well, you know, no, like see, that was the, that's what I was going to get into. So, at first, I told Danny, I was like, Danny, now, I can, fully, now I can fully go in <laughs> on Lamar Jackson. <laughs> Like, that was my original stance. I was like, man, yeah, I can do this now. And then the more I thought about it, the more I was just like, you know what? This is really a, an NFL problem. So yeah, it, it really I don't is. I don't need to be here. Like, I don't need to do it anymore. Okay, second question. Where do you want to see Baker go? And will you be rooting for his success in his next team? For both of you. I'm going to guess that he goes to Seattle. Um, and you know, I do hope that he reestablishes himself. I do hope that he has success. You know, as we said earlier, we were very pro Baker once, and the only thing that he's really done that I 
that genuinely turned me was when he did what he did to Mary Kay Cabot. That was it. Had he not have done mm-hmm. that, I would I'd still be, you know, pretty lukewarm on him. Be like, well, you know, maybe they could have run it back. And But when he chose to do that, that was when I was like, you know what? I'm all out on this guy. Um, having said that, you know, I don't wish anyone harm. I, I hope that he finds his way. I hope that he has a, a long, successful career. Yeah, I think that I think Seattle is probably the most logical choice at this point, because I think one of the things that we're running into is that Baker's running out of options and the Browns are running out of trade partners because there's only so many teams who are looking for a quarterback right now. And, you know, if you're Seattle, do you want a like because Baker could be a transition guy for them? Like, do you like or do you just want to, you know, collect draft capital and maybe try to get CJ Stroud in a year or something like that. So he's running out of options. And I agree with Brittany. I I honestly think if Baker grows up, I think that's probably his, I think the thing that has held him back the most is that he never really grew up. You know, he, he made jokes about running from the cops when, I don't know, when he was in college or planting the flag at, you know, in the middle of the, the Buckeye stadium, like all of these things that were kind of considered, you know, immature and childish. And we thought that he had grown out of that in 2020 and 2021 has proved us wrong. I think that Baker has the potential to be a franchise quarterback and to have an extremely successful career if he grows up and if he stops trying to live you know, a celebrity lifestyle and stop trying to live like an influencer and stop, you know, living your life on social media. Like Baker, if you're listening and I wouldn't be surprised if you are, because he, you know, anytime his name is said, it's like the bat signal. Like he knows about it. Like that list, that hit list that you have of all of the people that you think have wronged you, crumple it up and throw away and just forget about it and move on because the social media antics, the, you know, wanting to live like a celebrity lifestyle and throwing lavish parties when we're still in COVID protocols and mm-hmm. all types of stuff like that. Like if he grows out of that and if he understands why that type of stuff isn't appropriate, I think he's going to mature into a really valuable quarterback. But I think that's honestly one of the reasons why his, his you know, trade capital is so low right now. It's not just his on the field production because he was injured yeah, in 2021 it's, it's like his sense of self like he anointed himself yeah. as being like one of the best in the league and he's definitely not and, and that's off-putting to me and that's where he kind of lost me a little bit as well is you can almost get away with acting that way if if you are Aaron <coughs> Rodgers right like Aaron, Aaron Rodgers is super annoying yeah um, he's he's an asshole but people will put up with him because he wins Super Bowls yeah and you know like clearly how everything has also played out shows you that exact same thing. Um, Baker's just not good enough. And it pains me to say that. Cause I think we all wanted him to succeed uh, in a Browns uniform. Uh, we mm-hmm. never wanted him to fail. And I'm actually a little bit happy to see that he's getting maybe humbled by this. And I hope that he does Hopefully. take that to heart. Um, I don't need to see that you're the underdog. I don't need to hear about how you're going to like Baker Mayfield performs the best when his back's against the wall, because that just didn't pan out in Cleveland. Like your back was against the wall multiple times and you just didn't live up to that. So I don't need to hear about that anymore. 
that's such a played narrative. Joey doesn't want to hear about it either. <laughs> I know I'm being petty right now. Joey had a lot to say. Uh, well, it's funny because like, Llama came up and jumped up next to me during, while we were recording. I was like, "Oh no, is she gonna is she gonna talk into the mic?" But no, she fell asleep. <laughs> okay, wait. I have one more. I have one more question, you guys. Sorry, didn't mean to derail. I just hear Joey. And no, it's, it's really cute. I love it. Uh, this is. I swear, this is my last one. But like, were you guys a little bit surprised at the like maybe lack of reaction from Baker's teammates and? I mean, I even saw what I thought maybe could be support in the new quarterback. It just felt odd to me. Yeah, there's there's a lot of silence. Yeah. Um, I think the only I think the only person who has posted about how excited they are that Deshaun Watson is a Cleveland Brown is Deshaun Watson. But I saw like and Miles he... Garrett put like the eyeballs out. You know, like. Everything, yeah, everything was like mysterious. There was like, no like, like outright. I, I just wonder. Yeah. I, I really do wonder the state of the locker room like I don't think that it was in a good spot last year with Baker and I think we'll find out a lot once he's gone yeah I I I honestly think we're gonna see a lot of stuff come out from both sides yeah I think well obviously Baker's gonna leak a lot because that's what he does (laughs) (laughs) just a faucet (laughs) and you know once he starts doing that then you know (laughs) the Haslam's will probably (laughs) Oh, decide that well, they yeah, want to leak stuff to well, you. Yeah. Like, just be about I don't know. Well, I don't know that mess. the Haslam's will like. I don't know that the Haslam's will necessarily leak because, like, if we talk about like what Hugh Jackson did when Brian Flores' lawsuit first came out, and Hugh Jackson oh, was Hugh. alleging all these things, like Jimmy Haslam went and did uh, an interview with the Knoxville News Sentinel. So, like, if Baker Mayfield starts leaking things, I have a feeling that. Jimmy Haslam will probably come out and just outright talk. Like, I don't think that Jimmy's going to leak anything to the media because he didn't when Hugh Jackson was accusing him of things. He came out like outright to a newspaper and said, hey, let me tell my story. I hope we get another one of those articles. Remember the one that they did when like porn was playing on the TV? Was that like the, yeah, the hashtag DP? (laughs) Oh, God. Wait, wait. What? Okay, remind me what happened because I feel like like I remember the hashtag, but I don't. Was this before we had our podcast, or did we talk yes. about this back in twenty nineteen? No, it was. It was before we had the podcast. Yeah, it was before we had the podcast. But they they came. Well, they came up what with a hashtag. Was that? Was it ESPN? I okay, think so it was we'll ESPN. Have to, we'll have to dig that up, Meredith. Oh yeah, it was. And, yeah, it was hilarious. Because like you're saying it, but like I can't like quite put my finger on like what actually happened at the time because. I think one of the like one of the things that I get like really annoyed with Twitter is when you see a a trending hashtag or a trending topic and you go to click on it to see why it's trending. Everyone's tweets are why is topic trending? And it's like, well, you know, don't tweet about it because you're burying the tweets that are talking about it. Yeah. And I feel like that's what happened a lot with that. uh, with that DP hashtag is that it like very quickly became a joke. No, Meredith, it did not become a joke. They created the DP hashtag for dog pound and they had it. They had a live Twitter feed. um, I think on the wall. Yeah. You know, like a projector screen on the wall that it was running through. So they had like the hashtag anytime that it would be tweeted, but they weren't getting dog pound Brown's tweets. They were getting, you know. Oh, 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 now I remember. A DP. A a big DP. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe some little ones. I don't know, but. (laughs) You know what, Brie? It's not the size of the prize, it's the motion of the ocean. (laughs) Oh my God, Meredith. (laughs) And we have 
have to end the show on that. <laughs> oh, you ladies. Well, I'm glad we got to end this show on a laugh. Um, thank you both for being so open and honest and transparent uh, throughout the entire show. Um, again, two and a half years later, we're still here. And it feels like our podcast was birthed because of this moment. It just, it feels like this is why we are doing this. And it's a really good reminder. Um, So thank you, ladies. Thank you for being friends um, on top of being wonderful podcast hosts with me. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you, both of you, just for, you know, the friendship, the levity, you know, just everything. I know. We don't know what's going to be next for That's What B Said. You know, we'll... We'll figure it out, but, you know, Brittany, we'll have to figure out how you're feeling about everything, and um, we'll go from there. No, no promises on anything uh, at this point in time, but happy to have the two of you ladies with me on this night specifically. Yes, thank you for this. Thank, yeah, you, thank you to all of our listeners for continuing to support us. Um, make sure you guys send us a note on Twitter. Uh, let us know what you thought about this episode. Let us know how you guys are feeling uh, throughout all of this as well. Maybe we'll host a spaces um, that aren't dominated. The spaces! Maybe they're not, yeah, one that isn't dominated. I have had a lot of people reach out, um, women specifically, uh, who I think are going through kind of some of the, some of the same things that we are. Um, so if you confided to me, via Twitter. Um, I see you. I hear you. I know we've talked. Uh, maybe we will do a spaces because, you know, some of those spaces are intimidating um, to speak in. And I think it's important that maybe it's not just the three of us talking, that we can get some other women involved in the conversation and uh, ruffle some feathers and see what comes out of all of this. So uh, reach out to us if you guys would like that. If you've made it this far, thank you. And we'll talk to you guys soon.